You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you can get podcasts. Listen up, Ohio, because this is a test from Pepsi. If you call Seabus Seatown, you're not from Ohio. If you don't know the Blue Jackets actually have a fifth line, you're not from Ohio. And if you don't know what to say when someone yells OH, you're not from Ohio. We know this because at Pepsi, we are from Ohio. In fact, we bottle ice cold Pepsi right here in Seabus. So when you're thirsty for something that says you're from here and proud of it, grab a Pepsi and say here's to OHIO, where Pepsi and life are oh so refreshing. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Derek this is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a Tuesday post-holiday weekend edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante, and man, it's been a while since I've been here. Gee, when I left, the Yankees were in the middle of a 12-game winning streak. How'd that turn out? What a nightmare. Happy to be back. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question if you've got something you'd like us to answer. And folks, I can sense that you have questions because the Yankees, again, had vaulted well into first place in the wildcard race are now two games up on the Red Sox in the loss column, but just a half game up in reality, meaning there are going to be games, days when the Sox are off, and we got to win those games in order to maintain our advantage because it's just a half game in the actual standings. And we are only three and a half games ahead of the Toronto Blue Jays with games to come on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday after an embarrassing loss at Yankee Stadium on Monday, as always, because it's been nothing but embarrassing losses, whether it's the Angels, Orioles, or Jays, since the middle of that A series. We're going to talk Labor Torres, who is not a major league shortstop, improves it every single day. We're going to talk about when it's okay to criticize Joey Gallo, the 2021 Yankee, not Joey Gallo, the player. And we're also going to talk about how a lot of people are locking the Yankees into a playoff spot they should not be locking them into because the Toronto Blue Jays are coming. But before we get into all that, before I toss it to our friend Thomas Carinante, attention listeners across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston, do we have a pube problem? God, it feels good to say that again, to laugh once more. If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new lawnmower 4.0. 
Kick your pubes to the next planet with Performance Package 4.0. God, it feels good to do this in my in-laws' home. Inside this package, you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold your whole solar system. Did you hear me eating the word ball a little bit there? Because I did. I tried to suck it up a little bit and say it a little softer. This fourth generation trimmer also features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor, a new multifunction on off switch, which can engage a travel lock, and the whole thing's even waterproof. If this interests you, get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. For a clean trinity and beyond, your space balls will thank you. Thomas Carinante, I really thought I'd know what a clean trinity and beyond was after my vacation. I thought I might come back with renewed clarity. I still don't know what that means. <laughs> I, I really don't have any idea what it means, but it makes me feel like I want to, like, you know, your Buzz Lightyear and you just want to fly through space with really good aerodynamics because you have no pubes. So sure. really, really help. Um yeah, I mean, the Yankees certainly don't have a clean trinity and beyond right now. I don't I really don't understand it. But then again, like, did we really get ahead of ourselves with that 13 game win streak? I certainly didn't. I don't think you did either. We felt good. We certainly like to expose some of the old uh, critiques that we had or the, the greater part of the fan base had um, to kind of uh, live in the positivity and the optimism for a moment. But I, I think we knew that things would be coming crashing down to earth at some point. Uh, but then again, we also didn't think it'd be coming crashing da- back down to earth like this, but this is, this is the 2021 uh, New York Yankees that we have been talking about for however long we've been doing this since the start of the season. This is the April to mid July Yankees that have tortured fans that have failed to produce that have not met expectations that have not gotten hits in clutch, clutch situations that have laid down when the game was out of their reach for their standards. And now we're back at that losers of seven of the last nine against largely inferior opponents. Um, and really pissing away the positioning that they gave themselves. I understand that. Look, were they going to keep winning? Were they going to break the A's consecutive wins record? Absolutely not. But we also didn't think that winning 13 straight would come with losing seven of nine to kind of just, you know, 15 and seven doesn't really sound that good after you've won 13 straight. It kind of just sounds like you, you you had house money, you took advantage of the house money, and then you lost your savings account. And that's that's really what it feels like here. Um, and I just don't understand why this is happening still. So this is the reason why there is a DNA slash culture problem with the Yankees, because this was all happening before the trade deadline. Then you get then then you think that the renewal of uh, the acquisitions of Rizzo and Gallo are going to change things, and they do off the bat. It diversifies the lineup. It gives guys like Judge and Stanton even more pitches to see, and we've seen what they've been able to do with their hot streaks. They've been the most valuable players on the team by far um, over the last six weeks. But. Now it comes to a point where we got to talk about Joey Gallo. What's going on there? He can't just serve as a lineup diversifier and, and, and depth depth piece for, you know, lengthening the lineup. And why is he batting second? I don't know. Like, I, I don't get it. Just very confused. Not only is there performance issues, but then there's managerial decisions that just don't make sense. I don't even really know where to begin. So what do you think we should talk about first? Watching the Yankees lose September games just feels right these past couple <laughs> of 
when the lighting changes at Yankee Stadium a little bit, the air is a little crisper. You can see like different shadows reflecting off people's helmets during a day game. And they're like down two nothing in the eighth. You're like, yeah, that feels right. They, they never bring the bats in September. So why would that change this year? Um, the Yankees went three and seven. Cause I was on vacation for the last game of the A's uh, streak, the, the winning portion. So they went three and seven during my vacation, which is an improvement on last year when they went, Oh, and the vacation. It was the week where they uh, blew a doubleheader in Atlanta. Judge got hurt after saying he wasn't hurt. He came back. He got hurt again. The Mets walked the Yankees off in their own stadium. Uh, they also blew some fat lead to the Mets in that first game of that doubleheader. It, it was awful. And, again, they didn't win a single game. There were rainouts involved. Maybe they would have won some, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but they literally didn't win a game. So this year, 3-7, and seven, that's amazing for me. Uh, huge for me. I'm glad I'm back, though. Um, some Look, some positives along the way. Obviously, the pitching is still largely competent, although every single one of these games has felt the same except for the Garrett Cole game uh, in L.A. Since yeah. the losing began again, all of these games, no matter the opponent, have felt like playoff baseball, which is what the Yankees have been doing all year. They've played nothing but tight games, which is why Jonathan Loisega is hurt which is why you think Chad Green fails in clutch situations because he's had 58 high leverage appearances this season already, and he's failed in seven of them. So it's felt like a coin flip because you've watched a lot of public failures because this team can't pull away no matter the opponent. So this is why we have situations like Jack Mayfield up with the bases loaded in an Angels game, and he, of course he hits a grand slam. Any other team would be able to get Jack Mayfield to pop out. Bases loaded two outs for Jack Mayfield is not a nerve-wracking situation, unless you're the 2021 Yankees, where you let your opponent back into the game no matter who that opponent is, and no matter how strong that opponent is, and no matter what pitcher you have facing them. So it probably should have been more of a red flag during the 13-game winning streak that some of these wins were Wandy Peralta getting Freddie Freeman with the bases loaded in Atlanta after coming back from a 3-1 count or the Yankees blowing a 6-0 lead behind Jamison Tyone in Oakland, only to edge out the A's in the later innings. They were getting all of the karma breaks, and that's very impressive. But they certainly weren't dominating these games. There were a few that felt efficient top to bottom, and, and where the offense was picking up opportunities. The, game, the first game in Atlanta stands out as one during that win streak, where I was like, wow, the Yankees just took on the hottest team in baseball and efficiently destroyed them. They got out of jams when they had to. They rarely faced them, and they didn't have that many run-scoring opportunities, and they scored one or two runs every time they had guys on base. That was impressive. But far too many of those wins involved monster rally-killing strikeouts, horrible offensive performances. I'm talking about the first Cole-Anaheim Angels game where they won like 2-1 or 3-2. I think it was 2-1. And basically every inning was first and second no out, strikeout, double play. Mm -hmm. Like that game was terrible. They won it. I'm glad they did. I like wins. I'm glad they banked all those victories. But the worst case scenario as this team was getting hot was that they would build up a nice lead, not an insurmountable one. And of course it was never insurmountable because the highest they ever got was seven games up on a playoff spot in the loss column but with Oakland as their closest competitor, and they were still playing Oakland twice more in two games where they didn't really have the matchup advantage. So it felt like a tenuous seven. It was really more like five because it was five before that series started. They held serve. It was five when they left. So they never really got a bigger lead than that. They were four games up on the Sox in the loss column at some point. Now it's two. You know, it's not like their lead is, is completely evaporated. But the worst case scenario was, was going on that monster hot streak, getting a moderate lead on a playoff spot, and then having the – April, May, June 2021 Yankees have to hold off charging teams for the entirety of September with a slim lead on a playoff spot. And that's exactly what we had. 
because we are right back to, to square one. I don't know what Aaron Boone did to Luke Voigt, but he decided he's not worth playing after hitting like 460, and now he can't hit again. DJ LeMahieu has been rock steady, 100, right on the WRC plus line all year long, perfectly average, but that's not what we need from him. Gio Urshela has been slightly below average and much worse since he came back. Gleyber Torres has returned, changed this infield entirely for the much worse. And so I do want to start talking about Gleyber Torres right now because um, it, we, we thought he might not be – we thought this was going to be the year for him to prove he's a shortstop. He proved in early April he's not. Then we all tried to spin our wheels and justify it for several months. He's under one war right now. He can't hit and he can't field. So this was – three years ago, Gleyber Torres was the young leader of this team. His swing is gone, and his defense gone. is non-existent. So can, can we talk about this now and just admit that if he has a future with this team, it's not at shortstop because these aren't just errors and, and miscues and miscalculations. These are fundamental mistakes that prove something is not functioning or locking incorrectly in his brain. When he's forced to play shortstop, he's clearly not comfortable. He's holding grounders. He's kicking everything in his direction. He, he's not a shortstop, folks. He, he's just not. I agree. I, if you didn't notice that in 20, I, I, I'm not going to call you stupid, but it was very clear in 2020 that it look it, it shortstops a very weird position. It's it, it is a lot of eye tests because it's either you just have the instincts or you don't. Uh, we've been watching baseball for many years now. I'm sure a lot of it, you have played baseball. A lot of listeners have played baseball. I'm sure somebody's taken some grounders at shortstop at some point. You know what the you know what it takes. It's a lot of range. It's a lot of acting right right at the crack of the bat. Gleyber Torres does not seemingly have those instincts. He definitely doesn't have the range. He definitely doesn't have the arm, as evidenced by the routine grounder that could not get out uh, Franklin Gutierrez on Sunday. That contributed to that ended up. Obviously, that was not that loss was not on Gleyber Torres. Let's get that out of the way before all the all the because we there's probably Gleyber Torres stands out there who are listening to this and freaking out that we're even entertaining the conversation that he doesn't deserve to be a shortstop or a starting that's not shortstop. The worst, that's not the worst loss of the year, but it is no. the worst game of the year. Yeah, terrible. Um, and it's a routine grounder. Goody, uh, it's frankly, it's uh, Kevin Gutierrez, Kelvin, right? right? Kel- Kelvin, yeah. Uh, Kelvin Gutierrez certainly has speed, but he's a right. It's not like he's a lefty and has the extra uh, head start out of the box. He's a righty. It was a routine grounder. Torres is taking his time, letting the ball come to him, and then he takes two crow hops, and then it's a weak throw. If you're taking two two crow hops, that thing better be fired in there to, to get the runner. Instead, it's not, but it's very clear that almost every element of his game is not above average, which is why a lot of the fan base was energized by Andrew Velasquez's performance at shortstop because it was a breath of fresh air. It was like, Oh wow. This guy like enjoys playing defense. He likes to attack the ball and, and make the play when, when there, when there's an, a situation where it's clear that the shortstop needs to, uh, to act quickly um, or, uh, or, you know, make that dive that, that Torres doesn't seem to kind of de- doesn't really extend himself. He doesn't really get, he doesn't get that first step on the ball um, that, that you'd really like to see. I think it's an instinct issue with him. And um, that's, that's why people were calling for Vasquez. Oh, is Vasquez going to remain the starting shortstop? No, he's not. I, I mean, would it be cool? I don't know. I, do I want to see this t- that and to me, that means the team has failed in some sort of colossal way. If Glaber Torres is getting a demotion to, in in favor of a guy who was bad with the 2020 Orioles, um, but 
I, I, it just it seems like labor. Th- th- I think we have all the information that we we can have at this point. Glibertor has had a lot of time to prove himself at short. He I know last year was a shortened season, but then he had the first four, four and a half, five months of 2020, uh, 2021 to prove it. He really hasn't Explain defensive run saves to me because Glibertor has four defensive runs saved on the year. And I don't understand how that's a thing. Um, so now maybe that's an advanced stat. I'm going to throw out the fucking window because there's no way that that can be true. Um I don't know what he runs he has saved. Defense by, maybe he's saving runs for the opposing defense by making out to the plate. Uh, yeah, but uh, and the swing, I mean, the swing is totally gone. Um, I think conventional wisdom suggests that the pressure that he has on himself to deliver at shortstop um, is affecting his offense. And look, I'm not going to diagnose any any issues with him, but I mean, could a sport, I think a sports psychologist can help here. I think it's very clear. He's in his head. Um, his post game interviews are very low energy, but of course, why wouldn't they be when you're not performing? Well, you have to answer a question about your defense. Um, it just doesn't look to be having fun out there. Some of the other guys are definitely having fun. Um, and he just doesn't seem like something's off, off with what whatever he's doing, uh, the body language, the energy, the instincts, the just aggression at the plate, all of it's gone. Don't know what it is, but hey, guys, this is why fans were wanting Andrew Velasquez staying at short or a trade deadline acquisition. Like now, to be honest with you, it looks even more dumb that the Yankees just didn't pony up and pay for fucking Trey Turner and Max Scherzer because then like you could have just moved Glaber back to second, shift DJ over to third, figure something out with Geo or trade Voight, or I don't know. You could have done something, but Max Scherzer's been lighting it up for the Dodgers, and Trey Turner would have been perfect at shortstop for the Yanks, and missed opportunity, in my opinion. And we have pitching in thick quotation marks. Yeah. We're also starting Andrew Heaney. Yep. So there was, there was room for Max Scherzer, I think. Hot take. We're going to take a quick break when we come back. Uh, uh, more bad stuff. Stick around. Progressive's Home Court Explorer lets you easily compare our direct rates with multiple companies. Now that we've covered something you could do, it's time for Sports Stuff You Definitely Could Not Do. If you were head coach, you would not have gone for it on fourth down. Your confidence in your play-calling ability might be a little overblown, considering you're barely confident in which restaurant to order takeout from, let alone choosing a play in front of 70,000 screaming fans. But you definitely can use Progressive's Home Court Explorer to easily compare rates. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Welcome back to the Inks Go Yard podcast. Now I got to turn our attention. You're talking trade deadline. Trevor's story was available borderline for free, and he's heated up in the last couple weeks. Uh, I mean, legitimately, that would have been the least pricey acquisition of all time. Would have caused some uncomfortable conversations. Uh, Glaber Torres announced that, you know, he's, he's having a baby. He announced that this week, I think Monday. I'm glad he got to do that with Yankee pinstripes for the onesie because I don't know how much longer he's going to be able to have that bragging right of, of giving his baby a pinstripe onesie. Uh, you know, an Angels onesie doesn't look quite the same. Uh, but let's talk about the guy the Yankees actually did acquire. Uh, the, you know, they acquired Anthony Rizzo, who has not been the same since he came back from battling COVID. Makes perfect sense. A lot of people aren't. He's still been relatively competent. Uh, you know, league average, fringe average. Uh, he was supposed to save Glaber Torres' errors at shortstop. Can't do that if the throws never even get there, if the ball's just rolling around the infield and <laughs> And flopping out of his hand as he attempts to make the transfer. So, yeah, Rizzo can't scoop a dribbler at shortstop. Uh, he has to wait for the throw. So, that's not very helpful. But Joey Gallo, look, I, I'm not going to quibble with the trade package. Um, no. uh, the Yankees gave up four, four players who 
they needed to make 40 man roster decisions on this season. Anyway, uh, if they succeed, they succeed. If not, it, it was a worthwhile package of players to get a player like Joey Gallo. Also, I am not one of the troglodytes who is still pining for Mickey Mantle. I understand the value of Joey Gallo. I know why a high strikeout, high variance player who hits for as much power as he does and fields as well as he does is still a good baseball player, regardless of the, you know, the ugliness and garish nature of some of his line scores. I get it. That said, there's no more defending 2021 second half Joey Gallo, who's now performing like one of the worst trade deadline acquisitions in Yankees history. It's hard to be worse. He's hitting 130. He has 61 strikeouts in 35 games with the Yankees. He's the second player in the history of baseball to have 60 plus strikeouts in his first 35 games with a franchise. The other was Javier Baez who did it for the Cubs as a rookie in 2014. Joey Gallo is a good baseball player. Joey Gallo has been impossibly bad since joining the Yankees outside of a few showcase moments. The home run in Chicago, wonderful. The home run against Seattle, great. That only gets out in like two ballparks, still great. And the home run against the Orioles the other day that ended up tying a game that a rolled as Chapman gave away. One of many unconscionable losses for this team down the stretch. So again, this isn't Joey Gallo's a bad player and the Yankees shouldn't have acquired him. This is just the reality that Joey Gallo in the two-hole has not helped. He's diversified the lineup. You know, if I showed you a photocopy of the lineup with a lefty on the side, you would go, oh, neato. But he has provided next to nothing. Other, like, you know, he's helped Giancarlo stand and Aaron Judge, I'm sure. But Gallo himself has been one of the worst trade deadline acquisitions this team has ever made. And he has time to turn that around. But as of now, that is factual. Yeah, and it's it's confounding because he's missing fastballs middle middle. Um, and it... It, it, nothing adds up here. He's inside of a line. He's in, he's in the best lineup he's ever been in, in his entire career. No Rangers team was better than probably any iteration of the Yankees, any version of the Yankees since 2015. Uh, or yeah, he made his date. He didn't have his first full season until 2017. So definitely not. Um, and uh, he's just, he just doesn't once again, doesn't the guy who does, does not look comfortable and uh, inexplicable, but it goes on. It's on par with the Yankee storyline for the 2021 season. Just a lot of inexplicable things that make no sense. That cannot be, it's they're really, they cannot be described. Um, there's no rhyme or reason to it. It's just, it's just bad stuff that's happening to certain people for really no reason whatsoever. Um, like you said, 61 strikeouts in 123 at bats. So I understand the plate appearances are a thing is 151 plate, uh, 151 plate appearances, but dude, that's a 40% strikeout rate still. Uh, Again, you can tell me all you want about how valuable Gallo as a player is. If he's hitting for monster power and taking walks and striking out, I of course understand that he's not hitting for monster power. So what is this? This is, this is bad. Yeah, it's really bad. And I, I understand he brings value in other ways. The defense, uh, his, his uh, versatility on defense helps. Um, his lefty bat helps. But the whole reason he was brought, the Yankees knew what they were bringing him in for. They knew that they were bringing him in to, they, they knew he was diversifying the lineup. They knew he was going to walk a ton. They knew he was going to, uh, he, they knew he was going to strike out a bunch. They knew he was a three, uh, three true outcome player. So it's not like, at any point we were like, Oh great. 
uh, this is what we're getting in this guy and we're completely screwed. We were like, nope, this is the reality of it. Let's see what we can do. Hopefully he can just hit some bombs for us instead. And and the double play thing, absolutely confounding. He hit the nine double plays in his first 1,920 at-bats. And then in that series in Oakland, he grounded into three double plays in nine at-bats. Like I just, uh, again, something that cannot be explained. Um, and uh, it's, it, he he's a, he's a clear, he, he's a clear problem in losses because he hasn't, I think over what during the Yankees four game losing streak, he was one for 10 and wasn't, and hadn't been responsible for a single run in like a week, whether it was an RBI or run scored. Um, So just very bizarre that the, the, the on his on base ability isn't translating into anything. He can't even get the ball like that one, was that was it against Oakland when we had runners on first and third with one out and we just needed someone to get the ball into the air and he like popped out to the catcher? Um, wasn't that the late in the Orioles game? Was that late in the Orioles line? game? I yeah, I think he, he might have done something like that in Oakland too. Um, but yeah, you're right. That was definitely late in the Orioles game. Uh, that was Friday night, right? And then yeah. after oh, what a wonderful Orioles series, but yeah. like should have lost all the games. Should have lost all the games. The two, games. the two wins we have over these nine were that lucky win on Friday and Garrett Cole's 15 strikeout performance against the angels. So it's a lot worse than it's a lot worse than you really think. Um, and yeah, Gallo, I like what at my question is at what point do we start worrying about this? He's here for 2022. Like you said, I'm not worrying about the trade package. Yankees had to trade from a position of depth. They had no other choice. If these guys are successful elsewhere, that's great. The Yankees believed and, I think we believe that there are better guys beneath who, whomever these uh, players were in the farm system. So it's not really going to kill us long-term, but it is concerning when you bring in a guy who, you know, his exact limitations, you know how he's going to hurt the team. And not only is he hurting the team in those ways, exponentially more than you ever thought, but he's also hurting the team in other ways that you didn't even think were possible. He can't bat in the two hole. If oh. it makes him uncomfortable. This is so, like, I know what you guys want to do. You got the lefties so that you could do boom, boom, bounce, bounce, righty, lefty. Like, you were putting Brett Gardner in the two-hole earlier in the season just because that's what you think you have to do with lefties. The the most rigid management of all time. So, like, of course, Joey Gallo's in the two-hole repeatedly despite being like, hey, man, I don't like this. Like, put Aaron Judge back in the two-hole or lead Aaron Judge off. I mean, that's pretty dumb. Don't do that. Uh, (laughs) Don't listen to me. But it just fix fix it. You don't have to go lefty, 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 righty, lefty, righty, bounce, bounce. If someone says, I hate that, then they don't have to do it. Like, And clearly Joey Gallo's body of work has been affected by this. Um, I'm just I, – I am frustrated by – um, you know, this is, the, this is the reckoning for Aaron Boone. We, we had a stat drop by uh, yesterday that the Yankees are one of three teams this year to not win a single game after trailing by four-plus runs at any point. That's really bad, uh, but it's endemic of this culture that believes in sacrificing potential wins. Um, so, like, if you don't think it's leaked into the Yankees' mentality when they face a three or four run deficit, that we're probably going to put Brooks Krisky in and try to give this game away because we don't have bullpen pieces. If you don't think that started to creep into the minds of the team as soon as they face a chunky deficit, then you're insane. Because uh, if it's the organization's mentality that some games must be sacrificed for the greater good, then the team is going to mentally wave the white flag occasionally, even if they don't intend to. And let's talk before we leave about the Toronto Blue Jays, who, again, I said earlier, the worst case scenario is that the Yankees, this Yankees team is 
going to revert to their first half form and then have to hold off a playoff charge. And for a while, it might have looked like the A's were going to be the closest competitor and the Red Sox sort of had the second wild card or first wild card locked up. And it was just a matter of getting to that game, whether it's at Fenway or Yankee Stadium. Some people were treating that like, you know, who cares, coin flip. No, you want that game in Yankee Stadium, by the way morons people who are rooting for the red sox to beat the rays last week i saw you i can't believe it's taken me yeah. this long oh podcast yeah. to, to get to this are, are you people slow you people are slow right it was a seven game Rays lead you you want the red sox who are right behind you to beat the team that's seven games in front of you just to increase your chances of winning the division from one percent to three percent congratulations Delicious. people who view baseball without the lens of momentum because the red sox have not even performed well lately and still have series with the Rays and the White Sox on the road and the Mariners on the road ahead of them before their schedule gets cupcakey again. But you a- actively rooting for the team that's closer to you just because you think you have a minute chance of the division is insane. And now the Red Sox are, you know, not taking the loss column into account a half game away from passing the Yankees. And a wildcard game at Fenway for this team is a recipe for disaster. So congratulations to all of you absolute geniuses. But the Yankees and Red Sox are battling with each other for the top spot. Uh, that seems like a goal. I, you know, I don't want that goal. I am so emotionally detached from the Yankees at this point. One more loss, I think, will be my breaking point where I start mentally calculating not how far the Blue Jays are behind the Yankees, but what I have to do to get the Blue Jays in the playoffs to knock the Red Sox out of the wildcard game because they have a better chance of doing that than we do. That's an yeah. embarrassing place that I might be in soon because a lot of people are giving the Yankees the playoff spot because, quote, Oakland's bad or Oakland keeps losing or Seattle's not a threat. You guys are fully ignoring the Toronto Blue Jays, who won the first game of this series, are three and a half back of the Yankees, three in the loss column, and have three more with the Yankees in Yankee Stadium this week. And every one of those pitching matchups is a little bit, you know, throat tugging because the Blue Jays rotation is good. Steven Matz versus Garrett Cole on Tuesday night is the only quote unquote mismatch. And it's not even really a mismatch because Steven Matz has better numbers this season than Jamison Tyler. Then you get Alec Manoa and Luis Heal. Fun, exciting, interesting. Then you get Jose Barrios against the TBD. The Yankees don't even face Robbie Ray, who might win the Cy Young. The Toronto Blue Jays are close enough that you should be worried, and they might, in fact, be a half game back by the end of this four-game series. So everybody gifting the Yankees a playoff spot, they might not be in the postseason by the Subway Series this weekend. And I think it's time everybody acknowledged that the Blue Jays are for real, have always been for real, have 150-ish run differential in the positive direction, far better than the Yankees. And I don't know if you agree, but climbing out of the hole, what the Yankees did in July and August, was pretty fun. Holding off the team that's trying to climb out of the hole is no fun, especially if all the stats bear out that they're better than you. So I'd watch out for the Toronto Blue Jays and get off your high horse. I don't know how Yankee fans have managed to be both the most pessimistic fan base in sports and cocky at the same time. But for some reason, they are nothing about the first five months of the season should have given you any confidence in the team down the stretch, except for a two week period in the middle of August. And yet some people are already calling it inevitable that we're going to the postseason after everything worked for two weeks and never worked at any other point in the season. The Blue Jays numbers are better than yours and they're right here. Yeah. The Yankees have, very limited evidence this year to suggest that they are a true playoff team. They had the stretch in late April, early May. Um, and then they tre- they've been treading water for most of the year, hanging around 500. And then they go on the win streak to, to, uh, to separate themselves 
um, and and get the wins a lot more higher than the losses were. So it, it looked more uh, it looked more uh, salvageable, but it's still not because there are a lot of good teams in the league. And I, maybe it's my fault for getting on the fans who are critical of the Yankees for dropping those last two in Oakland because like. A, they had just went on a 13-game win streak, and B, like, do you really think you're sweeping the Oakland Athletics on the road with a team whose back's against the wall and absolutely needs to keep winning to keep their playoff hopes alive? Like, I didn't think that that was realistic. But, hey, maybe you guys who were pessimistic were right um, because this has kind of snowballed into a disaster for us. Um, and you want to talk about a team that went out and friggin' got the job done at the trade deadline? That's the Toronto Blue Jays who clearly believe in the roster that they had. I understand the Yankees also believe in the roster that they have, but the Yankees are more so believing that things would turn around that had no evidence of turning around. The Blue Jays knew they had a good uh, they had a good foundation here. They went out and they, well, they didn't go out, but they promoted Alec Manoa from within. That's worked wonders for them. He's got a 3.63 ERA and 1.10 whip and 15 starts. That's tremendous for a rookie. Steven Matz has overachieved. That was an offseason trade, 3.80 ERA in 24 starts. Robbie Ray, like you said, absolutely insane. But then you want to talk about the trade deadline. They went out and they got Berrios. I know that he's not doing particularly well, but he lengthens the rotation and a 3.79 ERA really isn't bad. It's pretty much where he is as a player for his entire career. He's right at 3.5. And then their bullpen was the biggest problematic issue of their entire roster. And they go out and they get Adam Simber and Trevor Richards, who Adam Simber, 1.78 ERA in 27 games. Trevor Richards, 3.04 ERA in 22 games. Uh, but uh, Trevor Richards' whip is 0.76, so that really goes to show how much how much he's uh, he's been effective as a reliever. Um, and this offense has not gone away at any point in time. They really have not gone silent. Uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. still going to be an AL MVP candidate uh, until this entire uh, until this season goes down to the wire. Marcus Simeon potentially another miss for the Yankees this offseason. <laughs> you know, like. That could have been maybe great for us. That's going to be a storyline for us in the offseason if we don't have the shortstop position figured out by then, too. So, you know, you're looking at two MVP candidates on the offensive side of the ball for the Blue Jays and and then an infusion of other uh, youth and, and a mix of veterans in there. And then you got an overachieving starting rotation that has been overachieving for the entire year. So I guess you got to say that this is this is a good rotation or at least they whatever the pitching uh, coach has done to kind of help Steven Matz turn his career around or even Robbie Ray, who's a Cy Young candidate, which nobody ever saw and keeping Alec Manoa on track, despite being so young and rejuvenating this bullpen, which is one of the league's worst, And still the, the large majority of the core of it is, is not great. Um, so credit to them for picking out their spots and putting guys in the right situations to succeed uh, but yeah, to think this team was ever going away, I never even, uh, I'll, I'll tell you first and foremost, I never slept on the Blue Jays, even when they, what were they out at 1.7 games? It didn't really matter. Um, they're a team, they kind of remind me of the A's in a sense where like, you're just never really going to kick them down. Uh, we joke that the A's are like too dumb and, and whatever to, to, to be convinced that they're out of it. The Jays are just like too young and kind of too cool to ever be told that they're out of it. And we still got a, a just under a month of baseball left, and there's no reason to think that they're going anywhere. And if they can do, like you said, un, not really favorable pitching matchups for the Yankees. Um, and that's a combination because the Jays went out and they lengthened their rotation. Um, and because Garrett Cole at this point is really the only pitcher you can truly rely upon in the Yankees rotation, even though the numbers overall are good. 
Um, but yeah, the Jays really, they really take it to you and they've given the Yankees problems over the last two years. So I don't know why we think it changed down the stretch in September when both of these teams are fighting for a playoff spot. It more so seems like this is leaning in the Jays direction. Yep. Uh, the Yankees have three more at home this week. Three more. Got to win two. All you have to do is hold serve at this point. It is late enough in the season that you don't have to bury the Jays in the series. And you won't because you already lost eight nothing to them. Uh, but I mean, it's a simple task at hand. If you want to see the Yankees in the, in the playoffs, if that's even something you want to see, if things don't change and the Yankees just tread water for the next few weeks, then no, I really don't watch a one game wild card against the Boston Red Sox or Blue Jays, or I guess A's or Mets. Like, I would watch a one game wild card against the Mariners. That's the mm-hmm. only one I would safely watch because if the Mariners beat us, I would give them a golf clap. I would go, hey, <laughs> Enjoy the Rays. That'll be fun for you. Any of the other teams, I'd be very frustrated. So I need, I, I just need to see it. I, I need to know what the next few weeks look like. If this Yankees team looks exactly the same on September 30th as they do now, and they're like a game or two games up on a playoff spot or tied or whatever, then, uh, you know, I, I will be emotionally divorced from the proceedings. If they look better and are able to pull away a little bit, great. I'll be excited. If they hold serve and it's the status quo, then it is hard to be pumped. And you start mentally calculating, you know, if the Blue Jays surpass us, there's worse things in the world than the Blue Jays uh, get hosting the Red Sox in Toronto or whatnot in the one-gamer. An embarrassing way to think and not how any Yankee fan should be thinking following a 13-game winning streak. But I tell you what, I'm dangerously close, and the Garrett Cole game on Tuesday night might determine my mental course of action. That is it. For this return to form for the Yanks Go Yard podcast, make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with the mailbag question. We'll be more than happy to answer those. Until next time, I'm Adam Weinrib. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weinrib. And I'm Thomas Carinante. You can find me at Tommy's underscore takes. You can visit us at YanksGoYard.com for all the content. We got plenty there for you. Lots of discussion to be had. Also talk to us on the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at YanksGoYardFS, especially during game time. We can use that as a source for mailbag question, folks. Let's get something going. We got to keep the energy up. We have to stay realistic. We cannot get too down on ourselves. We also can't get too optimistic and start being cocky as shit because we have no place to do that. Uh, we, we had the nice th- two and a half, three week stretch where we were allowed to do that and kind of make fun of other fans who were calling us losers for most of the year. Now it's back to reality. We're in a good position. We have to maintain it, but we can't keep playing like this. So let's figure it out, shall we? Shall we? Maybe we shan't. We'll see you uh, tomorrow, actually. At Progressive, you can get 24-7 protection, even if you break the space-time continuum. We did it. We time-traveled to yesterday. Wait, Progressive covers us 24-7, but we just created an eight-day week, and it's 24-7 coverage, not 24-8. We gotta go back. Are you joking right now? Shh, I'm calling them. Hi, I have a question about time travel. Progressive offers more than a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, which literally means anytime. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.